0: This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Thursday was Thanksgiving. Now, I have a question I've got to ask you. How many of you would say, I love turkey? Man, Thanksgiving, bring the turkey. How many of you are turkey fans? How many of you would say it's ham? Bring the ham and all that. I'm a ham guy. Like turkey, that's a dry bird, kind of like the falcons these days. And, and so I, I, I stay away. I'm not a turkey guy, and I've heard that, well, maybe it just hasn't been fixed a certain way. But I, I like ham. But what's interesting to me is we, we take this one day a year that is often viewed as the obligatory holiday. It falls between Halloween and Christmas, and we wait because somebody said we're supposed to to decorate the tree, put up the tree, or maybe we don't. We didn't wait in our house. But, but we're supposed to wait because we, we've, we've got to do this deal called Thanksgiving. And we get to eat, and we're supposed to be grateful, and we know it. So often we'll go around the table and we'll talk about what we're thankful for, and maybe you do that in your home. And we think about on this one day, we think about what we think about, and we think about how we're supposed to be grateful. But I wonder what life would look like if we were grateful every day. I wonder how it would change us, because the truth is, for so many people, the playlist of our lives has such a negative tone. We live in a negative culture. We battle the thoughts of negativity day by day. Have you ever thought about if your life were a movie? If they were going to make a movie of your life, who would you want to narrate the movie? A lot of people would say, man, I want James Earl Jones. That's the guy. I want him to narrate my life, the movie of my life. And if we look at your social media, we would understand, okay, James Earl Jones. But if we look at your whole life, not just your social media, for some of you, it would be Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Because the reality of how you live your life clashes with what you show the world about your life. And while you try to put up a positive image in so many ways, so many of us battle negativity. The the negative thoughts, the negative phrases that we say to ourselves, we move throughout town in vehicles with air conditioning or heat, often on leather seats, some of them having massagers built into the seats in our cars with fragrances that we choose, listening to music we select, able to talk on our phones while we travel. We can take our entire family with us on the journey and be protected from the elements outside, whatever they may be. And we're able to see behind us and all around us because of technology and how far it's advanced. And we're warned if we get too close to other cars around us by sensors on our car. And when we return home, we push a button that opens a massive door to our car's own home. And then we complain about the car. And we get a new car on a regular basis. And we, we complain about things about the vehicle. Now, if you want to complain about gas mileage, I'm, I'm with you. Let's talk about it. Like the, or the price of gas, good night. But, but that's a different sermon. could get a little political. So I'm going to leave that alone. But we all feel it. I'm right there with you. But, but we, we find things to be negative about. We walk to our refrigerators that are stocked with food and say we have nothing to eat. We go to our closets that are full of clothes and say we have nothing to wear. We turn on our TVs or open our devices and and look and and we see hundreds of shows but say we have nothing to watch. And negativity has crept into our lives often without even recognizing it. we develop a pattern of negative thoughts which lead to a negative life. If you want to guarantee that you have a negative life, negative relationships, negative career, negative finances, all you've got to do is think negative thoughts. How do you reset that? Because negative is contagious. In fact, we all react both mentally and emotionally to negativity. Now, we react to pleasure, but it might be interesting to note that scientists have studied you and I react at a five times greater level to pain or negativity than anything else. It could be because we're wired to protect ourselves. We're wired to avoid that. But there's something about negativity. If somebody in your home is negative, it it changes the atmosphere. In your friendships, in your marriage, some of you, you wake up with negative because it's inside you. Your first thoughts of the day or how how bad it's going to be or what you have to try to figure out or what you have to try to struggle through or wrestle with. And there are thinking patterns being creative. Negativity creates such a negative atmosphere that other people can feel it. It's not just the countenance on your face. It's not just the words that you say. Who you are, who you bring with you into the space causes people to run to you or from you. And if you're negative, they go the other way. It's interesting, I read an article this week, an article in Neurology Times that talks about chemo-signals, chemicals released from a person's body through secretion, through tears and sweat, where people can sense and pick up on a negative aura about your body, about who you are. Negativity affects us not only emotionally, but also your physical health. Negativity creates high blood pressure. It adds an accentuates heart disease. It, it adds to insomnia. Negativity creates a compromised immune system. It, it increases the levels of diabetes. It, it impacts your digestive system. Negativity creates muscle tension and pain. Negativity slows us from healing from injuries that we have. There's a physical impact of, of negativity. Now, some of you you, you, you look at that and you think, man, I thought I was just getting older. No, it could be that there are negative thoughts in your mind that are impacting that. Negativity is to your mental health what cancer can be to the body. It creates a long-term sadness. It increases anger and irritability. It cultivates fear. It leads to depression and irritability and anxiety. In fact, recently I read an article that says 90% of mental health issues today, which have been so impacted and increased by what we've walked through for the last year and a half. But 90% of mental health issues are attributed to one of two things. Primarily, 90% of of mental health issues, it's either pain in life that we're trying to avoid and not process, or negativity in our minds, and the words we speak to ourselves all the time. And one of the most healing, most life-giving things you and I can do is to deliberately choose gratitude every single day, to make every day thanksgiving. But pause. That doesn't mean you don't feel the pain of life in the areas that hurt. That doesn't mean we pretend there aren't any issues. Some of you sat around the table this week, where a chair was empty for the first time. Some of you are dealing with real life issues that are very difficult. And so this morning, I want to share with you from Scripture how gratitude can benefit and impact your life, but in no way am I trying to say that your pain is not real. This is not a put on a smile and pretend everything's okay. This is not a, hey, do this formula and all the bad stuff disappears. But I do believe that the God who created us and wired us and developed our emotions, the God who knows everything about us, knows that even in moments of deep pain, finding those one or two or three things we can be grateful for is somehow somewhat healing. So, I look at this passage. He was going into a village and ten men who had leprosy. Now, if you've grown up in church, if you study the scriptures, leprosy is is not a new concept for you. Maybe you just know what leprosy is, but basically it was a horrible physical condition. And if you were a leper in that culture, you were required to do several things. One, you had to cover your mouth. Your mouth had to be covered at all times. Two, You had to announce if anyone got near you, you had to throw out the word unclean. That was the word you had to use, unclean, so they would know to stay away from you. Three, and I have no idea why this is the case, but if you were a leper, you could not fix your hair. You had to have messy hair all the time. You, just could, you couldn't brush it, couldn't fix it, nothing you could do. And so there were certain things you did. But if you were a leper, there were oozing sores all over your body. The pain level was so intense if you had leprosy that when you slept during the night, once your body reached a place of full exhaustion where you had no choice but to sleep, the level of pain was still so high, it was not uncommon for a rat to come and chew off one of your toes or a finger and you never even know it because of how intense the pain already was. So that's the condition that these guys are dealing with. And it makes you sort of understand when it says, they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. There's a level of desperation. There is a level of pain. There's a level of emotional and physical and mental exhaustion. There is nothing that will wear you down like chronic pain that you can't get away from. And so out of that desperation they're crying out have pity on us and maybe maybe for you it's not physical pain maybe you've walked through some emotional pain maybe you've experienced some sort of trauma in your life you've been betrayed or you've been harmed or there's something you're navigating and you you while you can't relate to leprosy maybe you can relate to the desperation of calling out to God, hoping that there's help on the way, hoping that somehow God can look into your story and your circumstances and do something with what you're trying to process and heal you through it or from it or as you navigate it. Somehow there's there's a hopefulness, at least in the prayers, or at least there used to be. Jesus sees them and tells them, go show yourselves to the priest, and as they went, They were cleansed, and one of them, one of them comes back to say thank you. Nine of them were just as desperate. Nine of them were in just as much pain. Nine of them were hurting at a level that is unimaginable with that kind of physical pain. Nine of them were dealing with something that was chronic and daily. And nine of them also, with this one, with loud voices, cried out asking for Jesus to do something, and nine of them experienced the same exact healing and transformation as the one, but they just moved on with their lives. They didn't bother to come back and say, thank you, and before, before, we're too hard on them. I don't know about you, but I can do the same thing sometimes. Something I'm asking God, something I'm begging God, something I'm, I'm needing God to do. And, and once that situation is resolved and, and God moves and God does something very special, there, there's that sort of euphoric feeling and, oh, man, thank you, God. And we move right on. We're on to the next thing. One of them came back and it, it was not unnoticed by Jesus. We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? He's not asking because he doesn't know. He's asking because he does know. Because in our human condition, it is so easy to ask God for something, and once he answers, we're good. How many people have walked through a situation of a marriage that was a nightmare, a job, a career that was falling apart, a child in crisis as a parent, and we're begging God and praying to God, and once it all works out, we're good. Has no one returned, and it's interesting, the, the phrase that's used in Scripture, the phrase that God chooses to write down for us to look at today, has no one returned to give praise to God? So how do we feed our gratitude? What do we do? Can you, is it possible to move from being a negative person to a positive person? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it will not accidentally happen. You won't just wake up one day and all the negative cooties just left your body and you're just, oh, my goodness, they're so wonderful to be around now. Like, that's not going to happen. It will be an intentional, deliberate process. But I want to give you three thoughts you can remember, three things you can hold on to, and you may want to write these down. Because the reality is, you know what I've noticed about negative people? A lot of them don't know they're negative. Have you noticed that? If you want to know if you're negative, here's what you do this afternoon at lunch. Ask your kids. Am I, am I negative? Now, give them permission to answer you honestly. I mean, because they know Christmas isn't like four weeks. No, Dad, you're not. No, you're amazing. We're blessed. I mean, let them tell you the truth. Maybe have them write it down anonymously or type it anonymously. Put on a sheet of paper and you look at the papers. But, or ask your spouse. They don't care if Christmas is coming. They'll tell you. Am I a negative person? And you might be surprised how your negativity has impacted the people you say you love the most and the atmosphere it's creating because nothing changes the thermostat like negativity. So what do we do about it? Three thoughts, three things that we can feed, uh, feed our souls and, and move from this place of being negative that I think are important to remember. Number one, everything that's good in my life has been given to me by God. Everything that's good in my life has been given to me by God. Now, if I were to ask you, hey, what are the things that are good in your life? Some of you, you'd have a long list. Man, you, you, you evaluate and you look at what God's done in your life and you are grateful. Others of you, the list might be very short. You, you might have only a, a handful of things. The fact that there's oxygen in your lungs, the fact that the sun got up this morning, there, there might be just a few things and you're not, even, you're not even sure that they're good because you're not sure you wanted the sun to get up this morning or the oxygen to be in your lungs. And if you're in a place where it's hard to see the good things in your life, you may be in a place of deep pain. It's not that you're necessarily choosing to be negative. It's that life took you on a trip to that address, and the level of pain is overwhelming. But even in that, for a moment, if you could step back and recognize in all of that pain, and what you're walking through. God knew before the beginning of time that you would be in this room this morning. And he knew exactly what we'd be talking about. And that is God continuing to whisper to you, I know. I see it. I'm aware. Every good thing, everything that's good in my life has been given to me by God. I love James chapter 1 verse 17. Every good Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Every good gift, what are you talking about? I've made some things happen in my life. I've done a good job in certain areas. I've climbed the corporate ladder. I've had some successes. I'm achieving in my company more than most people. Well, every single thing that you and I have worked for or accomplished or earned or achieved, we did so because God gave us the ability to do so. Who do you think gave you the talent that you have? Who do you think gave you the brain that you have? Who do you think put in you the skill set that you have? Every good and perfect gift is from above. And God has always been in the process and practice of doing that with humanity. God gives us good things. You think about it. God gave Noah a plan for the ark. God gave the Israelites manna in the morning and fire in the evening. God gave David the stone to kill Goliath. God gave the Virgin Mary faith to obey. God gave the wise men the star to lead them. And God has given the world the prince of peace in a time when our greatest need is peace. God has given us a Savior. And God wants to give you a life that is eternal and a peace that is beyond anything that you and I can comprehend God wants to give you a strength to thrive, not just survive. God wants to give you a hope to press on. He gives you and he offers us as Christ followers his Holy Spirit to guide us, to convict us when we're wrong so that we don't miss our best life and the ability to be close to him, to comfort us when we're hurting, to lead us when we have more questions than answers. God gives us health to bless us. And although there may be areas where your health is failing, there are areas where it is not. God gives you friends to love you and a life to experience and enjoy. God has been very good to us. But you can think from one of two perspectives. You can think God has been good to me or you can think God hasn't been very good to me. And often when you think God hasn't been very good to me, it is the pain in life and the suffering that you've walked through. And somehow in that process, because it hurts so much, you've started paying more attention to the pain than who God is and what he can do in your life. You begin to think things like, if, if I were God, I wouldn't let this continue. How can a good God let bad things happen? And you begin to focus on the pain more than what God can do in those moments. See, it's all about what you feed. You can feed God's not that good or you can feed God's good. And you can come up with a list for both and they will all be true on both both columns. You can come up with all the reasons he's not good and list true things. You can come up with all the reasons he is good, list true things. What you feed grows. You get to decide what you're going to feed in your life. The truth of how good God is. Or the reality of your pain and where you see God absent, but it's not because God is absent, it's because your focus is on what you're walking through. Everything that's good in my life has been given to me by God. Another thought that, that helps us feed what God is doing and, and reset sort of the gratitude, it's the reset button for gratitude. Another thought, and th- this, this one's huge, I refuse to let what I want rob me of what I have. It's hard to focus on Thanksgiving when you've already got the Christmas list in mind. I refuse to let what I want, and what I want drives everything about my life. And what I want and what you want, it's often good stuff stuff that would help other people, stuff that would benefit other people. It's not just selfish stuff, but I refuse to let what I want rob me of what I have. We're so focused on what we want, we upgrade stuff that's not even broken. We got to get the new one. Have you seen the camera on the new one? It's amazing. Nothing wrong with my old phone. It works perfectly, but, but we got to get the new one. Hey, you can't even take pictures anyway. That's why you get five likes like me. I mean, you can't. Like, you're just not a photographer. Give it up. Forget it. We're in a social media world. It's, it's just not your deal, man. Forget about it. It's okay. But but we upgrade stuff and we'll pay a thousand bucks for a phone when our other one is not even broken because we gotta have the I gotta have the new. I want the new one because we're not grateful for what we have, and we're always chasing more. And the thing about more, more is an appetite that will never be quenched. How much more money do you want to make? I don't know, if I could have this much and you get to that much, if I could have this, it's always more. If you spend your life chasing more, you're going to spend your life thirsty in more ways than one. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9. It is better to enjoy what we have than to always want something else, because that makes no more sense than chasing the wind. You know what's going to happen after the iPhone 13? The iPhone 14? You know what's going to happen after that? The iPhone 15? You know what's going to happen? Like, this is unending, and you're stressing financially, and your financial world's upside down. But you got no problem popping that thousand-dollar phone every time a new one comes out because it's what you want. You lease a you can't afford to buy because it's what you want. But gratitude, gratitude has the ability to make what we have enough. See, it's not that happy people are grateful; it's that grateful people are happy. If you want some happy in your life, learn to be grateful. Stop focusing so much on what you want and enjoy the experience of what you have. You have food to eat. You have a place to sleep. You have clothes to wear. You have some form of transportation. You have an income. And did you know, did you know that if your income is at the minimum wage level, you are wealthier right now today than 90% of the people alive on earth? If you make minimum wage, you are wealthier than 90% of the people The world. If you make in your home, this can be combined income, but total income in your home of at least $35,000 a year, you are among the wealthiest 4.4% of the world. If in your home your combined income is at least $52,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of wealth in the world. And you're so busy chasing, i got to have more. The very first time I went out of the United States, I was 23 years old. I went on a mission trip to Tanzania, Africa. And I went to an area where and spoke in a little town just out of Mbea, Tanzania. And I was there for three and a half weeks. And one of the things that struck me was how much they had because of how much they didn't have. I had a meal with a pastor and his family in a hut that was about this big, and the whole family stayed in that space. But I gotta be honest, I saw more joy and happiness in people there than I often see in people here with all of our stuff. Because we've bought the lie that more is how you get happiness, and it is a lie and it has taken you on an emotional ride and has put a chasing in place in your life that's like spitting into the wind, you're getting messed up over and over and over again when the secret is to be grateful for what God has given you and to begin to recognize things that you simply don't even see because you're so focused on more. When we view what we have through the lens of gratitude, gratitude turns what we have into enough. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am need in need, for I have learned. This is so huge. For I have learned. It is a lesson to be learned. It is not a switch to be flipped. It is a process where I determine I'm going to on purpose, intentionally look for the good things in my life. Look for what God is doing in my life. Look for the blessings of God in my life. It does not mean there's not pain. It does not mean there's not struggle. It does not mean there aren't overwhelming things to walk through sometimes. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means I'm going to look for where God is good, because when I look for where God is good, I begin to feel the goodness of God. And when I feel the goodness of God, it changes my perspective. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Now listen, that's hard. I'm not going to pretend it's not. That is hard. Somebody that promised you forever says, I don't love you anymore. You have a child that you love deeply, and you're you're trying to figure out every way possible to help them, and nothing seems to be working. How how do you how do you be content whatever the circumstances? It's hard, but perhaps you lean into the truth that's more real than your feelings, that you are loved by a God that invites you to call him Father, and you remind yourself of the truth that that spouse that said, I don't love you anymore, or that child that you're trying desperately to figure out how to help, that God loves them even more than you do. And you lean into the truth that God has not only your future, but their future in His hands. You lean into the reality that God has promised He'll never leave you and He'll never forsake you. And sometimes your feelings will scream it's not true, but that does not make it untrue. The biblical pattern for success has always been consistency. You continue to trust. You continue to believe. And this is coming from a guy that the Holy Spirit of God used to write this scripture inspired by God who would spend time in prison, whose life would ultimately be taken from him. He, he didn't write this because he was on easy street. Notice what he writes, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, there it is again, learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And you don't learn if you don't go to class. You don't learn if you don't walk through the experience. And one of the things you know in life, hey, when the teacher gives a test, the teacher is silent. When we're walking through things in life that are difficult, it doesn't mean God's not there. It's a process we're walking through, and we don't understand it, and we're not ready for it. it. And there are far too many pop quizzes in life that we didn't see coming. But the reality is, it is a process, and I have learned only happens walking through that process. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, not being content happy that that's the case, not being excited about the pain, but I've learned to be content. I've learned to continue to trust God and look to Him and lean into that in spite of how I feel, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. And I don't ever need God's strength if mine is enough. And I think sometimes God allows us to walk through things And we have the opportunity in those circumstances to be reminded of the reality that God is a lot stronger than I am. But the beautiful thing about our God is if you're a follower of Christ, you have the same Holy Spirit living inside you that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power is available to you. We feel gratitude when we remember everything that's good in my life has been given to me by God. We feel gratitude when we remember I refuse to let what I want rob me of what I have. Let me give you the third and final one. We feed gratitude when we remember, I will thank God for every blessing I have and praise Him for it. I will thank God for every blessing I have and praise Him for it. Someone said, quote, every blessing I don't turn back to praise turns to pride, end quote. I will thank God for every blessing I have and praise Him for it. It's interesting to me in this passage. Has no one returned to give praise to God? Now, I don't know how you grew up. I grew up Baptist. You know, when we worship in the life of C3, there are some people that get into it and they raise their hands. And you might wonder, if you've never been to church, you're thinking, hey, hey, y'all are singing. But that person on the front row has a question. They're raising their hand. What do you do? You're singing. No, it is an act. Our grandkids were here this past week. And one of the things I love is when my little grandkids walk up to me and do this. And every time they do it, I pick them up. I love it when they reach out for me. And so sometimes in worship, it's just an act of reaching out. Now, in Baptist churches, you couldn't do that. If you wanted to raise a hand, it's kind of like this. That's the most you could do, just kind of like that. You had to be reverent, which means every service was a funeral. But, But so this word praise is an awkward word for me because of how I grew up. Because I was taught praise was weird. I was taught praise is people that get up there and lose their mind. I I was taught praise is when people put the focus on themselves instead of God. But but it's interesting to me. Praise is a level, if you look at the language, of honoring God in a way that only he deserves. Praise is a recognition that God is God and I am not. Praise is giving God what he deserves. And here's, here's the incredible thing. No one else on the planet can praise God for you. And no one else on the planet can praise God for you better than you. So even (laughs) when you sing, even if it's awkward, even if people on the road in front of you move and change seats because of how you sing, like when you dive into that, there's something, just like when my grandkids reach out their hands to me, when you dive into praising God and giving God what he deserves, he's drawn to it. And I don't know about you, but every time in my life, I've raised my hands to him in some need, he's picked me up. He doesn't ignore me. I love Psalm 63, verses 4 and 5. The message translation, I I, I love this. I bless you every time I take a breath. My arms wave like banners to praise you. I eat my fill of prime rib and gravy. I smack my lips. It is time to shout praises. You don't don't understand. I'm (laughs) kind of reserved. Just kind of a private person let's put a camera in your home when you're watching your team. Like, you know how to lose your dang mind when you're excited about something, and I wonder how your life would change if you decided, I'm going to pour some excitement into a God who loves me, has forgiven me, has given me his spirit, and has offered me this life that is unique. Your problem is not that you don't know how. Your problem is that you enjoy praising lesser things. It's not going to do any. Like Dallas lost Thursday. Sucks like pond water. They lost. It's okay. God's people, children of Israel took a spanking sometimes, but it's all right. They're going to be okay. But, but, but listen, you know what? It doesn't affect my life in any way today. But the fact that Jesus got up from the grave, the fact that I get to do life with you, the fact that we get to experience what God's doing in the life of this church and, and, and how God changed others. Last week, last week, three more people in this room gave their life to Jesus. That's incredible. The fact that God is doing that, it, it's incredible. Years ago, we were at the mall, and Nate was a little bitty guy at the time. I think he was about four years old. And we were in some store. I don't remember the store. It was here in Orlando. And And Angie had gone to the dressing room. She was trying something on, and I thought Nate had gone with her, and she thought Nate was staying with me. So when she came out of the dressing room, if you're a parent, maybe you've experienced this sometime, there's that horror of, where's Nate? And and I don't know about you, but my brain goes to worst-case scenarios like that. It is a quick trip for me. And I'm ready to call 91111, and I'm ready to call the SWAT team and the dogs and the helicopters. I have done that once, but but I'm ready. I'm ready, like, what do we have to do? And I'm going all over the store and I go to them and they, they start making announcements over the, the, the PA system in that store, and we can't find Nate. And it's four or five minutes have gone by, which feel like hours. And finally I decide: look, they're looking for him in the store. I'm getting out of here. Maybe somebody took him out of the store. So I go out into the main area of the mall and I find the guest services booth, and, and Nate is sitting at the guest services booth, looking at a coloring book, eating a chocolate chip cookie. He's just fine. Some fool, I mean, somebody at the store thought it'd be a good idea to take him out to the security booth when they found a child instead of taking him to the counter in the store. But you know what happened in my life? My life went from worst day of my life to best day of my life in a moment. And nothing changed except my perspective. He's okay. He's fine. That's all that changed. Think for a moment. For a moment, just imagine that you lost whatever's the most important to you your spouse, your kids. Maybe you have a career that you just love. I don't know what it is, but for a moment, you lost it. Think about for a moment what that would feel like. And then imagine. You just got it back. Imagine how that would feel. Do you know how many losses we don't even take because God protects us from it? Things we're not even aware of? Do you know how many things we take for granted? I will thank God for everything, every blessing I have, and praise Him for it. Instead of, I don't like my car. I'm thankful for my car. Instead of, man, this house is a mess, hey, be grateful for those little kids that make a mess because you're going to blink and they're going to be grown and gone. Instead of, man, life's so busy, man, I'm thankful for the health I have to live this busy life. Instead of, wow, my house is so small. Thank God for air conditioning even in small houses. Instead of, oh my gosh, I don't like my job, thank God for the opportunity you have because if you don't like your job, chances are other people that work there don't like it either. And you have an opportunity to be a light and to represent Jesus in a place that people don't like. You have an opportunity to show people what it is to be kind to people that are unkind or to love people that some think are unlovable. Look at the opportunity. Psalm 103 says this, "'Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits.'" who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed, notice the word, like the eagles. And what do eagles do? They soar. Gratitude determines your attitude. But gratitude also determines your altitude. Gratitude determines your attitude, and it sets it's the thermometer of your life, and it sets a temperature that others enjoy, and they'll be drawn to you. But gratitude also determines your altitude and how high you're going to go and how far your reach of influence will be and how loved you will be. It's all about gratitude. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much. For the truth of your word, a word that you protected and preserved for us. And I pray as we roll through this week, we would on purpose intentionally make the time in a deliberate way to be grateful for who you are, for the blessings you've given us, for the opportunities we have. Father, I pray you'd help us to reset those thought patterns and when the negative thoughts come in, we would do what your word teaches and take every thought captive and and kick out